Welcome to the Health Conscious Podcast, a creation by Cornell students in the Sloan Health Administration Program. Thanks for tuning in. This podcast explores healthcare trends in today's world. And now, please welcome your hosts, Daniel and David. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Health Conscious Podcast. Today, we have Joy Deep Ganguly. He is an accomplished leader at the forefront of healthcare and sustainability, serving as a senior vice president at Gilead Sciences, where he oversees global operations and holds the role of chief sustainability officer. Joy Deep has a diverse educational background, earning a bachelor's in electrical engineering, followed by an MBA from North Carolina State and a master's of electrical engineering from Notre Dame. His academic journey culminated with an MHA degree from the Sloan Program in Health Administration at Cornell University. Prior to his role at Gilead, he held significant positions, including being a principal engineer at Bayer and a global head at Biogen in biologics and technical operations. These roles have showcased his ability to navigate the intersections of healthcare, technology, and business. Join us as we dive into Joy Deep's professional journey, Gilead's vision for the future, and how Gilead is investing in the future leaders in the field. Thank you for being here. Thank you. So just to dive in, Joy Deep, could you please elaborate on your journey from having a background in engineering to then pursuing an MHA and your current role at now where you stand? Yeah, so as you've just mentioned, my background is in formative engineering. I did a bachelor's of electrical. I went to Notre Dame and did a, a electrical engineering degree focused very heavily on control systems and advanced mathematical uh, models for process control. Um, I was always intrigued with the biotech and life sciences industry. My dad's a doctor, my granddad's a doctor, my uncle's a doctor. They all went to the same medical school. My father-in-law's a doctor who went to, to you know, the same med school as my dad. So I was, I've been surrounded by healthcare in my in my family. And when I graduated with my master's at Notre Dame, the healthcare industry was booming and there was a lot of new initiatives that the agency was bringing forward in terms of advancing the way operations and manufacturing specifically intersected with uh, technology. And that led me to sort of pursuing healthcare. It was a high-tech industry. It had tremendous opportunity. You have a patient at the end of your supply chain. And that's how I joined Bayer. Worked my way through a variety of roles, starting off in engineering and controls. Then I moved into project management. I joined Biogen as part of their manufacturing sciences group. Did a little stint in supply chain as we were launching multiple products. My MHA actually from Cornell was uh, primarily focused with my interest around looking beyond the four walls of the producer side. You know, the bio, I mean, my entire career has been on the operation side, on the drug development or the drug dis- distribution or the drug manufacturing or the supply chain. Uh, the MHA is probably one of the unique degrees that provides you both a, a access to how the entire social ecosystem around healthcare is structured, but as well as opportunities and value drivers in the future as you look not just from the producer angle, but from the provider angle, right? The hospital systems, the the doctors, uh, as well as the payer angle. So it was my desire to really get to know the healthcare system at a very different vantage point, you know, that uh, prompted me. And you know, I enjoyed myself. I actually learned much more from my uh, my last graduate degree, which was done 20 years after my first, you know, than I did when I was a student. So um, yeah, so I'll just pause right now and then, you know, we can tackle a little bit more into my background as we go along. Yeah, it seems that you've had a very diverse kind of healthcare experience. So I was wondering if, you know, your roles in previous organizations, like you mentioned Bayer and Biogen, how did they prepare you for your current work at Gilead? Was there a lot of overlap or did you really have to kind of learn from scratch? 
So in, yes and no, there was overlap in the sense that it's the same kind of industry, right? They're all biopharma, biotech companies. And so there's some adjacency, right? Once you understand the entire value chain within the company, right? Right from a discovery to development to, you know, manufacturing to supply chain, engineering, you're able to at least, you know, get to, um, you know, work with the same vernacular, the same processes, the same value drivers. But the ironical part about it is every uh, jump I made was in jobs where I didn't have the subject matter expertise. And, you know, what held me in better stead was just the fundamental underlying values around being curious, being a learner, uh, surrounding myself with right people. So while I'd love to say that I entered a supply chain knowing supply chain, I didn't. I was a manufacturing scientist on the bench, and then there was an opportunity to run, uh, to head up a supply chain group. And I went back to business school, actually, to learn supply chain. I went back to NC State, to, which is one of the better supply chain schools in the area. And, and I went back there. And, and so with every new job, there's a natural, innate, uncomfortable nature to it. And that's where I think the magic happens. So, so it's a yes and no answer. I mean, I had some domain expertise in the entire industry and the overlap, but I've always viewed my career more as an evolution rather than just getting more breadth right now. So, so trying to figure out how I can use my past expertise to add value in the new function, but at the same time being open to different new, exciting sort of prospects. So that's driven me. So you mentioned not being a subject matter expert in some of the roles you've taken on. And as you kept going through your career and off, reaching the role of Senior Vice President at Gilead, uh, could you quickly walk us through your thought process when developing the strategies for your team and for the organizations you currently set up? Strategy setting and strategy development actually is, a, is, a, is almost an art form. I mean, people think of it as a pure science. Um, in any job I've taken, you know, I've really um, doubled down on knowing that my group had a compelling strategy that gave its true north, whether it was, you know, a group of five or a group of 500. And the, the way you want that strategy is actually relatively formulaic in some regards, in the sense that you've got to figure out where the value drivers are, where the emerging technologies are. But in all the strategy aspect um, that I've, I've sort of indexed on, I've really doubled down on the culture within the organization as well. So I just don't focus on what we need to accomplish, but I also focus a lot on how we want to get there. So from, you know, to give you a great example, my recent gig at Gilead, right? And you know, we set up a big strategy for corporate operations. A lot of what was figuring out what did the business need from operations, not just today, but 10 years from now, for us to be more intrinsically important as well as into the value chain of the company. Uh, and then as you set up strategy, very often you get the voice of the stakeholders and you get the voice of your customers and you get the voice of your people in right now. And you come up with three or four compelling things that you want to focus on, and it's grounded often in the mission of of why the group exists. The only two takeaways I'd like to sort of leave you with is, you know, as we set up strategies, a lot of it can be super complex, but really good strategy is simple, it's relatable, it provides context. And number two, it transcends the fashion of the day. So it has to hold itself beyond, it's not a set of goals that change every year. It needs to be as relevant five to 10 years from now as it was today. So I've really focused on ensuring that any strategy I do for the group is grounded in simplicity, relatability, and allows my leaders within the team to use it as a context-setting framework, and then making sure that it actually, you know, uh, has a lifeline and a lifespan beyond the immediate uh, near term. I like that answer. I like how you mentioned kind of it gives you a lens through which to look at things through for for the leaders on your team. You know, as we kind of discussed that, I was wondering, what is the you know, favorite or most impactful project that you've worked on during your time at Gilead? That is such a tough question because I've worked on so many cool things. And um, 
So allow, allow me some grace here because, you know, it, it's like, you know, and you guys are all young, so I don't think any of your children, but I have, it's like trying to ask me what my favorite kid is, right? Who my favorite kid is, and it's very difficult. Um, but I will say this, that most of my favorite projects at Gilead have involved two or three common qualities. They've involved some degree of transformation. They've involved some degree of uh, cultural shift. And they've all involved um, trying to catalyze a mindset shift in, in the organization, right? So sustainability is a great example. I mean, five, six years ago, <clears throat> we didn't have much by way of an environmental sustainability program. And it took a lot of team members in my group uh, and a lot of partners that we worked with uh, to create a compelling strategy and why should we be leaders here? What's the what's the business case behind this? And then along the way, we also had to create a culture where sustainability was sort of ingrained within the fabric of the company. And and those those projects are never easy. They're not linear. They're not like, you know, you don't have a point A and a point B. You've got to build a compelling case for the future, but you've also got to bring people along. So the most exciting projects for me have, have been ones that have involved that transformative agenda coupled with a cultural and mindset shift within the organization. So I can't give you specific because picking one would be like picking literally a, like your favorite kid. But <laughs> but but uh, but I have what I have enjoyed about Galit is, you know, it's a it's a company that really believes a lot in empowering its leaders. Uh, and it really believes that, you know, changing the world in such a way that we can create a healthier world for everyone in the future is part of everyone's responsibility. Um, so you get a lot of scope and scale to actually go ahead and develop your strategies that they will add value. So when you couple that empowerment with the fact that the world and the healthcare systems are changing so fast, right, there have been some super exciting projects, be it in the area of digital transformation or uh, shaping the master plan of the company to address our our emerging priorities in oncology, to sustainability, to 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 basic cultural projects around changing the ways we work to to make it a more engaged and inspired workforce. They're all super exciting. On that note, you know, the kind of all these inspiring projects, we saw that Gilead's share price is up 40% over the past three years. So do you mind taking us through maybe one or two key initiatives that you think made this possible? So, uh, yeah, I don't think there's an initiative that, from a share price perspective, I mean, yeah, it's super important. I mean, obviously, our shareholders are very important. Gilead focuses a lot more on the, the patient, right? Well, the currency for our impact is how many patients we impact, how many drugs we get through the pipeline, um, what um, innovative research we pursue. We believe that our CEO has a very compelling, uh, you know, multi-year strategy about being a transformative player in oncology, um, you know, continuing to maintain a leadership status in virology. Uh, the share price movement, uh, you know, is is a function of just execution against that strategy, right? So we tend not to get so perturbed with those temporary movements up and down. We obviously, you know, aspire to be both a company that does well by the patient as well as does well by our shareholders. Uh, so I can't point you to one initiative. I think what you're seeing right now is a simple recognition of the fact that the the street believes we have a very compelling strategy and we're executing against it. But honestly, and I don't hope, I hope this doesn't come across as a cliche, but our, our currency truly is the amount of patients we impact. And that's what unites all of us at Gilead. It gives us common purpose. It it gives us meaning. And, and we really believe that if we keep the patient central in every decision we make, it'll all work out in the lane. Pulling together that, that mindset, that process of having the patient at the forefront and making sure you're standing by them, um, what are some current trends in the market or research that Gilead is currently developed to try and get to certain patient populations? Which ones are being um, put ahead? 
so I won't talk about trends, but I, but I do know, I mean, we've got a strategy, for example, to be, you know, a, a top 10 oncology company. We want to have one third of our revenue generated by oncology portfolio. Uh, and that's required us uh, to be very active in the business development space. It's a, it required us to be very active in the research space. Uh, it's also required us to rethink our physical infrastructure so that we are able to deal with biologics and 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 different modalities and platforms. So, so we tend not to follow trends, but we tend to think of ourselves as helping set the trend and create the pace at which which companies uh, uh, follow. Um, but I'll tell you in general, I mean, some of the macro level trends we are following right now is the enormous potential that AI and machine learning have in trying to eliminate waste within the ecosystem. We are following a, a trend around more patient-centric products. You know, personalized medicine has been a, a buzzword for a very, very long time. We are a company that we uh, we love using the word cure. I mean, we cured Hep C, Sovaldi uh, and Harvoni, and... Um, you know, our cell therapy franchise, which is a, a, a Kite, which is a Gilead company, has done some amazing work in this space. So we are a market leader in cell therapy, so which is which is very, very advanced manufacturing, advanced research. So there's, there's areas where we're really driving and uh, not just the pace, but we're also setting the, the standard across which hopefully other companies will follow. But, but again, you know, it goes back to um, making sure that whatever trends you set or follow, whatever strategies you embark on, uh, at the end, it has to translate into value for the patient. And that's that's what is front and center in everything we do. Gilead is, is currently taking on a lot of initiatives to ensure the professionals of tomorrow are being you know, prepared to make an impact. And so I was wondering if you can comment on kind of any initiatives that are taking place that you're aware of, you know, whether that be the case competition or you know, things outside of that. This is one of the most exciting things at Gilead. We actually not only look at you know research and innovation in that space, we look at innovating across every spectrum. And um, investing in and preparing the workforce of tomorrow is a huge passion, not just of mine, but every leader at Gilead. And there's tons of things going on, right from academic partnerships to investing in the next generation uh, to actually breaking down some of the societal barriers. I mean, you all study... Uh, you know, you, you all know about the fact that you know people's zip codes are more telling in terms of longevity than than genetics, and you know we've also acknowledged the fact that there have been some some severe barriers, uh, not just in education equity, uh, but in just terms of access. Uh, so I think uh, we've structured internship programs, early talent programs that are intended to break those barriers, right, uh, and and ignite the workforce of of the future. Uh, we're encouraged to actually not just, uh, you know, use our internship programs and our early talent programs to bring in the next generation talent, but we're also encouraged to to give them a lot of scope and scale to make an impact. Uh, case competitions are one. Uh, I, you know, in my area, we have a lot of academic partnerships on on things like digital transformation, ESG, uh, you know, uh, program management, you know, things that uh, you, you all in schools are learning at a faster clip than than, than we are in an industry. Um, so, so it's something that, you know, we take very seriously. We actually believe that, you know, the promise that we have for a healthier world tomorrow is as much a function of the workforce of tomorrow as it is the science of tomorrow. So investing in the workforce of tomorrow is something that's sort of ingrained into our DNA. I wanted to dive more into the case comp specifically, sure. get some background into it. And thing that we have Jackie on here as well, get some of his perspective on how these case competitions really give the platform for students to show their their initiative and their thought process into making change and impact. 
the, this case competition was super exciting for me for multiple reasons. One is obviously uh, Sean Nicholson, who was my professor during the MHA, tremendous regard and respect for him. Uh, he felt this was a wonderful way to sort of create a greater intersection between industry and, and the student community. Uh, till now, a lot of the case competitions have been very focused on the uh, provider side of, of the space right now. I think this was we were one of the first producers at uh, one of the big biotech companies that are uh, sponsoring the case study. And, and honestly, selfishly, uh, it's a problem that I'm struggling with personally, right, in terms of how we make ESG a lot more um, interesting, a lot more scalable, a lot more um, uh, business-oriented. So... Uh, this case competition was 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 structured to try and pose a very provocative problem statement, which is how does one make ESG uh, a lot more scalable, a lot more business focused, a lot more grounded in value? How does one enroll different constituents? And then I genuinely wanted to understand how the student community and the next generation leaders think about not just ESG as a cultural tenet, but ESG as a way of driving value within um the overall healthcare system. Uh, it's one that is intuitively apparent to all of us. Good sustainability is good for the planet. But as each of you take big positions in big organizations and drive future strategies, you will have to make a more compelling case around why this is important. And I think just just putting um, you know the, the the brains of the workforce of the future on this kind of a case was was super important. So moving over to the other side of the case competition from Gilead to Sloan. Jackie, could you give us a quick intro into HSA and how HSA is playing a vital role in planning this case competition? Uh, yeah, of course. First of all, thank you for having me. Uh, my name is Jackie. Uh, I'm a second year at Sloan, and I have the honor of serving as president of HSA, so the Healthcare Students Association. Uh, we are a student organization at Cornell that strives to meet the professional, social, and educational needs of MHA students while paying it forward through community service. And each year, um, the case competition really is an inaugural event that we all are excited for. Um, you know, everyone gets hands on board to plan the case competition. And we're really excited to see the growth of not just our teammates, but also all the participants that progress through us with all stages within the case competition. So thank you for joining us, Jackie. I mean, I know the case comp is, is very special to you and, and the entire organization. And given that it's a student-led initiative, I wanted to you know, kind of get your opinion on what makes this case competition so special, so unique? What makes it stand out from all the other ones? Yeah, I mean, I think I think you said it there, um, and I'll elaborate uh, on it a little bit more. But the fact that you know it is a student-led initiative really sets us apart because each year after the case competition, the planning team undergoes a very thorough process of gathering feedback from all the participants and the judges who have helped us along the way to identify how we can improve the learning experience. And the board also has the autonomy to decide which organization to partner with. And we continuously seek sponsors who are driven by purpose and are at the forefront of innovating healthcare, as you know, Joy D previously mentioned. Yeah, we, we're also very intentional about ensuring that participants are engaged and view the experience as more than just a competition. We, we are student-led, so throughout the competition, we highlight the importance of the problems addressed in the case, uh, and we offer feedback at every stage. So for those who progress to the finals, they also have the opportunity to not just present their work, but engage in on-site activities like coffee chats with members of our sponsors. So this year with Gilead, um, facility tours at the Gilead San Francisco um, you know, site, and our reception and happy hours. So all, all these really make HSA case competition different because we are run by students and we understand what makes um, for a very meaningful learning experience. 
you know, over the summer, we engaged with the previous HSA executive board and those who planned the case competition last year on how we can better identify our identity as a student organization. And, you know, sort of aligned with what you were saying about innovation and everything you're doing at Gilead, we also changed our vision statement as a student organization. So for this year, HSA is, um, you know, our vision is really to foster innovators and visionaries that will shape the future of healthcare. So for us, our partnership with Gilead is also very exciting. I think comes at a very exciting time for us. Um, and members of our organization believe in service above self, mentorship, and professional development. So this annual case competition really is a prime example of how we bring this philosophy to life. That's fantastic. And I think it's going to be a win-win because not only will it be uh, you. Not only will all the students participating in the case competition work on a topic that is front and center in everyone's mind, right? How does one tackle ESG without rendering it purely a social activism play, right? And this case study is focused on environmental stewardship and the you know, planet, etc. But it also talks a little bit about how do you develop strategies for sustainability that more closely link with the business. How do you actually try and embed this within the fabric of a company as opposed to making it just a standalone program? How do you capture value? How do you exploit advanced technologies that are clearly showing efficiencies in the ways one works? But is there a sustainability play here? And it's going to actually uh, stretch everyone to try and figure out how do we actually blend what is seemingly at odds with each other, business excellence and, and, and environmental stewardship. And, uh, and I'm excited. Yeah, if I may add to what Jodeep just said, yeah. um, so, you know, we, the HSA case competition team, we actually read through the case that we got. Um, and, you know, before uh, disclosing the entire case, um, I, I think like this case is really exciting to us because it, we really try to strive to create an event that challenges participants to think critically, collaborate effectively, and develop practical solutions to address the most pertinent challenges in healthcare. And we also believe in this interdisciplinary approach, which is why, you know, beginning last year, we sort of expanded the eligibility of participants. So we really are excited to see, um, you know, the different and diverse backgrounds that we're going to get from this case partnership. And we also believe that, you know, it only makes sense that we help foster those important industry-wide connections that you were mentioning about that, you know, Gilead invests in the future of healthcare, um, but also the workforce. And I think it's really important that this case is going to bring together these connections that we are going to require as future leaders. And you used three very critical words, the interdisciplinary part, which I think is a huge area of value. Number two is, this is a topical problem today. It's not something that has been solved for. So there is no, you can't chat GPT this and get the answer. Uh, you know, I've tried, you can't, okay? Otherwise, everyone else would have done it. And the third thing right now is, uh, you know, the way I wrote the case, I wrote it where you could pick one of the topics or all nine of the questions and approach them. But I generally don't have a point of view on whether depth or breadth here will matter. I really am looking for creativity, innovation, and the ability to understand that as future leaders, that will shape the healthcare value chain. How do you think about it? How are you going to preserve it? And I'm even okay with irreverent answers in the sense of, you know, why certain things may or may not matter. And I think in that is the joy. That is where the value comes in. That's where the magic comes in. Because if you try and build it around a formulaic business process, you're going to get a very formulaic, and anyone can do it. You can go to a consultant and they'll map out why this matters and how to create the value. But it almost has, you know, it's a 25% business mindset, 25% healthcare mindset, 25% technology mindset. And then 25% is how can you try and use those interdisciplinary skills that you have on that on that student team 
and create some value that is not intuitively apparent today. So I'm, I'm excited, but it truly is a business problem of tomorrow uh, that is being worked on by, uh, by hopefully the, the leaders of tomorrow. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for your information and depth into the case competition, Jackie and Joydeep. So to wrap it up, I wanted to ask you, Joydeep, yep. if you could give some information or advice to some of the young professionals that we have listening in that are either going to pursue an MHA, something healthcare related, or even in, like in your case that are one career path now and they're looking to maybe pivot into something else. Be curious and feed your curiosity, right? Don't don't just take the path of least resistance. The healthcare industry is evolving at a non-linear pace right now, and things you all will be working on um, are very different. I mean, the job descriptions that I, um, our jobs I took over the last few years weren't even written 20 years ago when I entered the industry. And it requires that level of curiosity and okay okayness and tolerance to ambiguity. Work as much on your soft skills as hard skills. You know, the healthcare leaders tend to evoke an image of like scientists who are brilliant working in labs or commercial teams that are excellent at sales and marketing or operational engineers that are more comfortable with stainless steel than people. Those are archaic uh, views of leadership. I mean, when I um, often recruit senior leaders within my team, uh, by the time they've come to my stage in the interview process, they're all technically super competent. They're all domain experts. They're all extraordinarily good at what they do. What often separates them is the ability of their ability that they have to build teams, to create culture, to create inclusion, to inspire their teams. Uh, so as much as that is uh, tempting to just keep advancing your technical depth, which is important, right? I, I believe in that. Uh, you know, some of the softer skills, and, and this is probably also learning from my early part of my career where I didn't index that heavily. I viewed that to be some of the mushy stuff that was like not relevant. I mean, I'm an engineer. I went to some of the best schools and I did some of the hardest courses. I prided myself on, uh, you know, you know, taking the hardest classes and, and doing well at those. The soft skills are as important, right? So when you have the curiosity, the soft skills. And final thing I'll just leave you with is stay current. There, there are things that are happening right now that will shape the industry in the future. When I joined, cell therapy was a twinkle in someone's eye. And, and now it's one of the most uh, disruptive forces within the operation space. The pandemic accelerated digital technologies more in two years than the rest of the time that I've been working. And companies that thrived and survived were agile. They were nimble, uh, but they disproportionately stayed relevant and stay current. So, and that's how I would approach, uh, that's my only advice to, the, to, to, to you all. Well, thank you so much, Jodeep, for, for coming and joining us and, you know, taking the time out of your week. We really appreciate it. And all, all right. the listeners do too. Wonderful. Thank and, you for your time. And I look forward to the case study. Sorry, Dave. Oh, no, all good. Um, my one final question just for our listeners as well. Jackie, when when uh, are they going to be able to register for the case comp? When, when is the information coming out? Where will it be? Yeah, so um, we're still working out the dates for um, registration, but it would either be on the 26th of December or January 8th. So more information to come. We'll be sending out information really soon once we get final approval and everything done from our end. Um, our on-site would be on the 22nd of March, and we're very excited to host the eight final teams in San Francisco. So 
Um, we're all very excited for that and very excited to meet you, Joy Deep, in person. We're super excited to host you all at Gilead Campus as well. Perfect. Thank right. you all. Wonderful. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Health Conscious Podcast. Stay tuned in for our next episode by subscribing on Spotify, Apple Music, or anywhere else podcasts are streamed. And follow us on Instagram and LinkedIn at the Health Conscious Podcast for updates and exclusive behind the scenes. See you next time.